Hey, this is Kiran Agraj from the Sparking Entrepreneur Show, and today we have Peter Kaim with us. Peter brings over 25 years of unique blend of strategy consulting skills and in the trenches operating experience leading multifunctional teams. His passion is driving for clarity, aligning cross functional organizational priorities, and creating measurable goals to drive success. So, with that being said, let's hear it from Peter now. Peter, welcome to the show. Hi, Kiran. Thank you very much for inviting me. Peter, very excited to host you. Let's begin with your journey. When did you choose entrepreneurship? You know, I think I've been sort of on that path for a long time. I graduated from business school in the late 1990s and came out and worked for a strategy consulting firm in, in San Francisco and was there for almost eight years. And when I was in there, you know, I realized how complicated the game of business really was, right? These are big questions that need a lot of horsepower to solve. After consulting, I went into industry in the food business and I kept going smaller and smaller with different food companies because I enjoyed that having your finger on the bigger pulse of the business, right? So at first I was working with a large publicly traded company, Pete's Coffee and Tea. And then I ended up with a small five-person firm where I was running the, the whole business. And so I enjoyed that challenge of taking strategy consulting skills and then finally getting yourself into a position. I was COO, all the bucks stopped with me and the CEO to run the operations of the company. And I love that thrill of having your finger on the pulse of those decisions and seeing the results. Wow. So tell us about the, the company that you work with now. What is it called? Great. The company I work for now is called ProfitWorks. Profit. And it's based on a book by the same title called ProfitWorks. And we are a coaching and strategy organization helping small entrepreneurial companies, anywhere between 25 and sort of 250 employees, solve the problem of how to improve their incentive plan design and execution in their organization with the goal of building engaged employees and workforce. Totally. So let's begin with the engagement of the employees, right? It is very important that the employees are engaged. And if the employees are engaged, they, of course, deserve a bonus. So tell us about employee engagement and what are your thoughts on it and how to keep the employees engaged. Sure. And I'll take a step back because what we find a lot of times is that there is an incentive plan or a bonus plan. We use the words interchangeably. We don't really like the word bonus because that does that says it's an extra thing. And we want to think of incentive where it's an earned compensation. We choose a lot of times to say incentive plan versus bonus. But there are a lot of times there's an incentive plan in the organization that it is not effective because people don't know about it. They haven't been trained on it it's obscure or it's, it might be completely discretionary up to the CEO, right? So we're coming into an organization and we're, we need to typically fix an existing system because it's not generating the results they want. It's not getting this engagement. It's not driving incremental profitability. And so a lot of times this engagement starts with the amount of information that is being shared by the organization with the employees. So if I said to you, Kieran, your incentive plan is going to be based on incremental profitability and you nod your head, but then you realize you don't know what the profitability is of the company. So our engagement, the first step in our engagement is financial literacy training. And there's a spectrum on this, right? We're not advocating open book or sharing everyone's salary, but we are advocating that companies share more information, basic P&L information throughout the organization. And this is a very scary concept for a lot of entrepreneurs to, to share because all the, they think, the employees think they're making millions of dollars. And we typically find that with this education that they realize profit is scarce and really valuable. And we really, when every penny counts. And so we work with the leadership teams of these organizations to figure out 
how we can share more information about how the company earns its profit. And we'd be surprised how many of these employees don't really know how it works. So can you now tell us about the education part of it? How do you get the information, the right information to the right people? Sure. So we do a lot of, we have a couple of tools. One is a set of online tools that we call the, the masterclass, which is a train the trainer sort of module that's always like a library of tools that our clients can access. But before they get to that, we will do a series of workshops and educational workshops within the company to support, to support the, the teams. And the very first thing we do is we will educate on the P&L structure of the organization. And before we do that, we'll bring everyone, imagine everyone's in the room and I'll say, okay, listen, team, what is the profit of the company? And hands will go up and people will say 50%, 60%. Are they thinking gross profit? Are they thinking net profit? I haven't given them any suggestions, right? I've said, what is the profit right there? And within about the first 30 seconds, you realize there's confusion in the room intentionally because they don't know what these measurements are. And so then we spend, we have a series of different workshops and we spend time walking through each line of the P&L. And now the leadership team might all be dealing with the PL every day, but as soon as you get below, you'd be very surprised that people might nod their heads and think they understand, but they don't really have a full transparency of how this works. And imagine walking down even a simple five-line PL. We would even spend time talking about revenue. Do you know all the different ways we generate revenue in this business? If you're an accounts payable clerk, you might have no idea that there's seven different revenue streams and one's the most important one. And so we're breaking these things down to the most basic building blocks of the business within the first couple hours just to give them this foundation. So that's step one. You have to share with them some basic information so they understand how the company works. Got it. The second thing we do, once we've created this foundation, and in the background, right, we've developed an incentive plan to work with the team, typically based on profit. And you can't have an incentive plan based on profit if the company doesn't know and the team doesn't know how profit is generated. So that's the connection, right? We're going to set in a center plan on profit. We're going to teach you how we create profit. So that's steps one and two, if that makes sense. Totally. Totally. Peter, let's get you to the client success now. Can you please tell us about the client success and how do you measure success? Absolutely. So imagine our foundation is that we've come into an organization and we have developed an incentive plan. And the incentive plan has to have a couple of key components to it. The first thing is we think it's got to be simple, right? And that's not to mean it's unsuffice, but it's got to be simple to explain to an organization. If it's not simple, the employees aren't going to trust. There's always an escape hatch for the owner, right? It's going to take someone a ton of time to figure out who gets paid what, right? We want this to be very simple such that we can take part of that mind share out of worrying about this and just have it focus on things to really drive the business, right? So we've worked with the company. We've made it a simple incentive plan formula-based, not discretionary, and we want to make it self-funding, right? At some level, this is earns compensation. We set a trigger of profit. It could be other metrics, but let's say profit. And then over that trigger of profit, we're going to share a percentage of the incremental profit into an incentive pool shared by the team. So we spend the first part of success is making sure that we have a simple self-funded model. The second part of success is say, have we taught the team on a regular basis. You can't just do it on January 1st and expect everyone to remember by December 31st. Have we taught them on a regular cadence of the business, how we're performing, how our business makes revenue, makes profit? So that's the second piece. So the third part of success, so check, we have a good plan. Check, we have 
some good training in place, but now the rubber has to meet, meet the road. Right. Are we generating incremental profitability? Is the team doing something differently tomorrow than they weren't doing yesterday to improve? And that, in order to do that, we have a series of exercises that walk them through what we call sort of profit brainstorming exercises. And so imagine 10 of us in a room with a whiteboard and we run an exercise that we call the leaky pail, for instance. Mm -hmm. And so guys, there is, you bring in a hundred dollars of sales and a lot of it just leaks out, right? Of course you have cost of goods and you've got fixed costs, but there's all these inefficiencies and things that are annoying that just, you're losing pennies here and there. And so we try to in this exercise, we try to identify what those leaky pail things are and then what are the opportunities to fix them. And we've had to the success stories, you know, we've had clients that have said, I, you know, I keep preparing the hole in the roof of my warehouse when it rains every single year. And it costs me $10,000 because I don't quite fix it all the way. And then the rain comes in and it ruins some of my inventory below. I've fixed this patch three times for $30,000. Whereas if you fixed it for $40,000 once, would you not have to do that? And it's, those are little weird sort of examples, but these are the things that come out of the woodwork and we, but it's very process-based, making sure we're documenting and finding these things to drive these incremental profit ideas. And so when we think about success stories, when we look back at our clients, we judge ourselves on these things. Does everyone in the organization know how they gain their incentive? Is it clear? Is it formula-based, non-discretionary? They know what their role is in driving incremental profitability. Have we communicated, been clear with them about our PL structure, how we generate revenue, gross margin, net income, right? We don't get into fancy words like EBITDA and we don't talk a lot about debt, right? That might be years, right? but this is basic 101. And then third, have they engaged in a series of exercises asking the employees, how can we improve? and then taking them through a process to document the best ideas and pursue them. And that's where you really get the engagement, right? So imagine you come home after a busy day of work and you say, wow, I had this meeting at, at my company. And they said, listen, there's this, we're going to create this pool of money, but we believe that the collective brain of all 50 of us is better than the collective brain of the four on the leadership team. So yeah. we can get all 50 of you guys thinking and acting like owners and thinking about incremental profitability. We think we can find some hidden dollars lying around the business. And we want to share those with you. So they told me about this. And then they said, then they taught me how the business really worked. And I, I didn't know that we had this kind of revenue streams. And I didn't know that labor was our largest cost or whatever it might have been. And then they asked me for my opinions. They said, what do you see that we could do and improve? And they listened to me. And I felt like I was part of the team. So that if we have those three things going on a regular cadence in an organization, then we think it's lights out. It's going to be a fantastic, fantastic outcome. Now, the other caveat here is this is a marathon, right? This is not a sprint. If you launch the plan, have day one training, day two brainstorming exercise, it's better than nothing. But we want to see this on a regular cadence in the organization, right? How do you make this part of the sort of operating cadence and conversation? We say that the incentive plan gives leadership an opportunity to change the nature of the conversation with their employees. What are you doing tomorrow to drive incremental profitability to self-fund your incentive plan? You tell me, you're in the business every day. I've sit over here in, in, in my office, you're out there on the floor. What do you see that can improve, right? Give them some ownership. Wow. And how do you measure that? Because measuring sometimes seems to be difficult. So what are some ways to measure? 
Yeah, that's a great, great question. So we always revert back to this concept of the self-funding model. And we'll put a trigger out there. And this is a sort of powerful psychological, and it's a natural law. Think of a bell curve, right? It's a natural law that says, you know, the more tension you put into an organization, the better the performance up until there's worse performance, right? If there's no tension, when I say tension, there's no goals, there's no budgets, there's no job descriptions. Those are tensions that you put into an organization that say, hey, I have these expectations of you. And so you put those tensions to the organization and that should drive increased performance. But if you're yelling and screaming and putting lots of more tension, then you're going to start to denigrate performance. And so the way we measure performance is the first thing we do is we set a trigger line that says below this number, there is no incentive plans or bonus being paid. If we don't cross a million dollars in net income, no one's making a bonus. So that's a very strong tension tool. But then it also, it allows us to teach the employees, why do we set this floor? We have to take, we have taxes, we have debt, and we have owner return on investment. That's important, right? That we have to pay first before we can pay the employees incentive. So we create this tension, we set a floor, but then we measure, say, okay, guys, this is limitless. Every dollar above this, we're going to share a certain percentage with you. And so that's how we measure our success. And at the end of the year, we'll come back and say, listen, this company A, they did 50 different special projects that generated $150,000 of incremental profit above this million dollar line. We documented it. We had special teams trying to track it down. We reported on it quarterly. We can see the amount of money that we funded and how that translates into how we share the, the cash incentive plan with the team. And so all of our teams, all of our clients have a dashboard, if you will, of what are the self-funding projects that they are doing to drive incremental profit. And it's a really fun way to, to get excitement in the organization and to share. Imagine if you have a quarterly meeting and they say, hey, we want to highlight Kieran's team's project. You know, they were really frustrated by the way that the trucks were coming in or being scheduled to this. And so they changed this. They tested it for 60 days. We now save 40 cents on every you know, $100, whatever it might be. And they put some cash into this incentive pool. This is great. Good job. So you're feeling good. You feel like an owner. You're feeling like you're getting to do a little bit more than just punching in and punching out every day. And so we track that self-funding success rate very carefully. Got it. Got it. Peter, can you now tell us about your clients a little bit? You mentioned that the clients are the medium-sized companies from 20 employees to 250. Tell us about the occupation that they're in. Is it consulting business that they're in? Is it coaching? What kind of business are they in labor? What? Great. Sure. So our typical clients are all entrepreneurial companies. And that's sometimes can be a throwaway comment. So let me explain what, what I mean by that. They are typically founder-led, owner-led. They are between 25 and 250 employees. And they're typically, the largest client I'm working with is at $100 million, but they're typically in that sort of $30, $40 million range of business with some profit. The other unique part about our clients is that the majority of them run on an operating system called EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And this is a, a management operating system that was based on a book by Gino Wickman called Traction. There are hundreds of thousands of companies in the United States and around the world that operate on this system, this architecture to help them drive and control and organize their business. And so most of our clients are in that system and use that system. 
And ProfitWorks is able to tie in because we use a lot of the same language and tools and concepts of that system to help reinforce uh, our models and our, and our training. So our clients are entrepreneurial, 25 to 250 in size, 30 to 40 million bucks in revenue, profitable, running on an entrepreneurial system called EOS, most of them. The next part we actually do, and this is a, a unique spin, is we have a tool on our website, ProfitWorksLLC.com, that we call the eight mindsets. And this is a little bit of a thinking process that we, we ask our potential clients to go through. And it's, uh, it's eight questions and it's from high to low answers. And we're trying to understand where their mindset is. Do they really want to change? Do they really want to engage their employees? And there's no judgment here. There's no right or wrong. People, they got to run their businesses, right? And it's busy. It's hard enough just to do that every day. But we're trying to take them through a transformation of both sharing more data than they're maybe comfortable with doing traditionally, engaging their employees, believing that there's this untapped power in their employees that they haven't tapped into. So that's a mindset and a belief. And so we, these mindsets that we talk about is another way that sort of brings our client commonality together. They have this mindset of wanting incremental change and willing to share data and belief in the untapped power of their employees, things like that. So that's another commonality of our clients. Got it. Got it. Now, we, yes, please continue. Oh, I was just going to say, and you, you'd asked about industry focus. We really span the industries, right? It's, it's very, we were looking the other day, everything from professional services, I think consulting firms to law firms, real estate investment companies, to, to light manufacturing and sort of everything in, in between. The clients that have meteor P&Ls, so you have lots of cogs and inventory and, and things like that probably are more of our type of clients because there's more opportunities to engage with looking for opportunities to create financial savings. If you're a financial services firm or a strategy consulting firm, your costs are people and rents and computers. And so it's a bit of a different game that we play with the more just service type firms than we would do with the sort of manufacturing firms. Got it. Got it. Peter, you have mentioned that 90% of your clients basically use the EOS system based on the traction book mm -hmm. let's say some of them are listening to this conversation right now and they want to reach out so what are some ways they should know to reach out to you and get a hold of you oh that's very nice yes so alex freitag who is my business partner also the author of the book profit works is an eos implementer as well so he's part of that community so you can con contact alex through eosworldwide.com you can contact both alex and myself through our website ProfitWorksLLC.com. And we're also on, on LinkedIn. And that's a very sort of engaged community for us under ProfitWorks. And we host a lot of free webinars once every quarter or three or four a year. There's a lot of free content on our website that explains our models. You know, we really believe that if you read the book, you can self-implement this yourself, yeah. right? But you can also read the book and then engage us as a coach or consultant to help you get it executed in your organization. If there's a bit of a DIY, do-it-yourself op option, and then there's a sort of a full coaching and engagement option. And we're happy to support clients, investigate that sort of however they feel is, is right for them. So do reach out, guys, to Peter at ProfitWorksLLC.com. Next question. Final sure. question for the day, Peter. Now, tell us, this one is completely out of context about the business that we have been talking about. Tell us about the action steps for young entrepreneurs, the people who, are, who have just chosen entrepreneurship and want to win at it. What are some action steps that you suggest for them to do and 
for them to take in their business to grow? Yeah, I think there are, are two very key action steps. And one is to be maniacal about preserving profit, right? How is profit generated in my business? And, and to be very clear on that. And a lot of young entrepreneurs are like, I can't be profitable. I'm going to make it up in volume and I'm going to lower my price. And I, we totally understand that to get started, but having an excellent sense of profitability and really believing in the power of, the, of every penny of profit and, and not giving up any of it that's unnecessarily is, is a very key thing. And a lot of, and that seems to be skipped in a lot of early companies, right? We're just, we're going to get started and worry about profit later. And we would argue that profit has got to be the only way an entrepreneur can get a return on their investment is through profit. That's the only way, right? Excess profit, right? The only way you can get a return on your investment is through profit. So you better figure out how you're going to get profit. And then the second thing for young entrepreneurs that we would suggest is they like to sometimes keep the information close to the vest. And we argue for way more sharing early on with their teams. Believe in the power of your team to help you, right? But you have to share the information, right? Mm -hmm. You have to share the vision. You need to share where the business is going, what the financials look like at the business. You don't have to share a 90-page P&L. And we're talking about five line. Here's revenue, here's costs, here's fixed costs, here's profit. And get comfortable sharing that and letting them know that they are as equally responsible as you for driving incremental growth. Lean on them, believe in that, that the sort of the power of the many is much better than the power of the few. So I think those two things for a young entrepreneur starting out you know, I wish I had known. I thought I could do everything on my own when I was young and just charge ahead. And it was just more hours and more hours. But as I got older and leaning to delegate and give more responsibility to the team and believe in their ability to, to help prop up the business allowed me to do sort of other things and sort of think about what's happening down, you know, next three years, not the next three months. That's that. So now you guys, what you have to do if you're a young entrepreneur, do what he says because he is a seasoned professional, as you may know. Peter, if you resonated with him, do reach out to Peter at ProfitWorksLNC.com. Thank you so much, Peter, for such a great conversation. It was a pleasure to meet you today and we learned a lot of things and an honor to host you. Karen, thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you again. With that said, I am your host, Karen Nagrad, signing off for the day. You guys take care. Bye.